Hey, friends, we won't be taking calls today. Sit back and enjoy this pre-recorded show. You're about to hear from a man who is an eyewitness to miracles, thousands of miracles. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, this is Michael Brown. I'm delighted to be with you today. I'm holding in my hands an important book by Randy Clark, Eyewitness to Miracles. And we're going to have a fascinating discussion today. Just the forewords to this book by Joshua Brown and Candy Gunther Brown, no relation to me, Michael Brown, both PhDs. In fact, Candy Gunther Brown has published in a peer-reviewed medical journal the evidence of miracles taking place in Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique. But Randy has a fascinating background in the ministry of healing. Give me a call if you have questions about healing and miracles. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Okay, I am working partially blind here my seeing is fine but i cannot log on to a studio server by which i access your calls and my guest so if we have randy on the line please bring him on now and again if you have a question regarding healing and miracles why some are healed why others aren't does it take faith growing in faith do we have to understand certain things how does this work then we'll do our best to take some of your questions as well, 866-34-TRUTH. Randy, are you there? Yes, All I right. am. Great. All right, so I can hear you, but I can't see my phone line. All, all good. Randy, let, let me ask you a question. How long have you been praying for the sick with, with purpose? In other words, not just maybe someone in a church service asks for prayer, but really praying for the sick in a targeted way, believing that, that God wants to heal sick people today. How many years have you been doing this? Uh, since 84, and prior to that, I there were seasons of praying, but not a consistent, concerted, focused, as you mentioned, prior to the first uh, 14 years from 70 to 84. I believed in healing. I prayed for healing occasionally, but after 84, it's been a constant uh, focus. All right, so you've prayed then for many, 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 many thousands of people to be healed. Yes. And what would you say over the years, if you had to pick some of the most outstanding miracles that you've seen the Holy Spirit perform today to the glory of Jesus' name and to the, the good of the sufferer, your whole book, Eyewitness to Miracles, you document things and then you get in very realistically talk about things and, and with wisdom and scholarship as well. But you start off just with miracle accounts of the lame being healed. I mean, people with severed spines and people blind for years without even, you know, just regular, uh, just kind of whites of their eyes and all this stuff. When, when you've seen so many things, but just to give our listeners and viewers a little idea, share some of the most outstanding miracles you've seen with your own eyes over the years. One of them is in the book, the young man, 25 years old, police officer in uh, Manaus, Brazil, who had been shot. 
in the stomach, and the bullet severed his spine, and he was uh, he was healed. Uh, I wasn't the one praying. I was on stage at the time praying for somebody else, and one of our team, and actually the person who God used to, for this young man's healing was the first time he'd ever prayed for anybody. Um, and and his, his spine had been severed from the bullet, and he actually walked out of the wheelchair. That's probably one of the greatest. Another uh, really great, two more really great ones deals with blindness. Um, one man for 55 years, he's about 60 at the time, but at five years old he, spir- he spilled uh, muriatic acid in his eyes. And all he had was just really deep, like an eighth of an inch thick white scar tissue over what would have been his brown uh, corneas and pupils. And, and uh, anyway, uh, as he was prayed for, a woman prayed for him on our team. It wasn't me as a housewife, actually. And uh, actually, didn't she didn't even know he had been healed because he wasn't healed for like three days later. He woke up, uh, perfect eyes, uh, perfect vision, no scar tissue, actually like new eyes. Uh, that and she prayed five hours for him, and she did so because she kept hearing a strong impression: "Don't stop, keep praying." Mm. But when she finished, there wasn't any sign of healing in his eyes, nor was it gradual. It was like he went to bed three days or two and a half days later, as blind as he ever had been, and the scar tissue still there, and woke up without scar tissue and um, you know, like new eyes. As a matter of fact, his pastor called me. I had I had um, gone to another city, and he called me and told me the whole story. And he said it's the greatest miracle in the history of our city, um, and and because they had his records for 55 years. Now another one like what happened in Fortaleza, Brazil, and a man was born without the optic nerve connected to the back of the eye, and uh, my spiritual son in Brazil, Ed Hosha. And uh, an apostolic overseer who was on the team with me, um, uh, Steve Wilson from Springfield, Missouri, both were praying for him, and he got his sight. And it so affected him. He's from a rather wealthy family up in the northern part of Brazil that they sold their business, and, or at least they moved uh, to that city so they could go to that church where their son had been uh, healed. Now, and, and that particular story is both... Uh, right after it happened, and like several years later, him telling the story is available through, um, you know, writing, typing in the URL and being able to see the testimony itself. Incredible. Uh, friends, the new book by Randy Clark, Eyewitness to Miracles, Watching the Gospel Come to Life. Randy, when I was teaching one time at your Bible school in Pennsylvania, I've been in there a few times and taught on specialty areas to, to your students and when I was talking to your bookstore manager, we did an exchange of books. I gave him some of my books. He gave me some of your books and others that I was interested in. And, and one of the most important books I've ever read about healing is one that you wrote talking about the agony and the ecstasy. And you talk about praying for people that are not healed. If you mm-hmm. prayed for tens of thousands, you've obviously seen thousands that weren't healed. You've obviously seen cases that were heartbreaking why do you feel it's important to tell that part of the story? Yeah, actually, that's a little booklet and also um, a DVD you can watch or listen to CD called The Thrill of Victory, Agony of Defeat. It's two sermons. The first one deals with the thrill of victory and five principles that are true, but don't turn them into laws, because if you do, the enemy will use those laws 
to make you feel disqualified and have less faith. So it's about focusing that we must approach this on the basis of grace alone. We can't do it. Only God can do it. Um, but the second message is the counterbalance to the first, because I asked the Lord once, how do I explain? I was getting ready to speak in Santiago, Chile. And I said, how do we explain what the healing ministry is like? And the Lord quickened my um, memory to a little boy, uh, the first TV sports program, ABC Wide World of Sports. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's healing is like that. It yeah. is the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And so my teaching is that unless we're willing to embrace the cross, which is a place of suffering, the emotional suffering of those who are not healed, and entering, and, and, and particularly if the model of healing is not just come up here and let me pray for you, lay hands on you, don't know anything about you, but I, I engage with you and learn more about you and your history, your story, and get to know you, there is a more emo, a con, emotional connection. And when people aren't healed and you're more invested, it is emotionally, there's a price tag. And actually, uh, do I call you Michael or Dr. Brown? Michael's good. All right, Michael. One of the things that I, I say to people is that most people that have quit praying for the sick or don't pray for the sick, it's not because of theological issues or pride or many other things, needing intellectual pride or I need to know the answers. It actually is the price tag, the emotional price tag associated to this ministry. Mm. And uh, it, the cross, Jesus said, if, if, if we're going to be his disciples, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. Uh, we don't live in a culture where we're going to be persecuted. So one of the one of the areas where it is a cross to the Christian discipleship in America is to enter into the healing ministry in a sense, I'll pray for the sick. Because we will have lots of people we pray for that don't get healed. And that's tough. Especially, now I've been a pastor for 30 years. I've also traveled since 1994 extensively, 180 to 255 days a year doing itinerant work. Um, I can tell you that it, as a pastor, it's even harder when it's your loved ones, your maybe key leaders and best friends in the church, and they're not healed. Mm-hmm. Every time that happens, it's a crisis the church face. Will we give up or will we persevere? So I call it, it's our cross. This is part of the cross of discipleship. And unless we're willing to carry that cross, we will not continue to pray in order to see others who would not have been healed subsequent to your defeat. Yeah. So I, I think it's very important. Here's the reason why it's so important. If people all they hear from a healing evangelist, which I consider myself one of those, is our success stories. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and try to do what we told them to do and practice what we've been teaching. And then they have these what feels like defeat uh, when, they're, when they're not successful, the person isn't healed. But they, but they see us as we don't have that. Then they feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm just not anointed. So they need to know that those of us who are involved in the healing ministry, we have lots of people who do not get healed when we pray for them as well. And that helps them to have a better uh, perspective on what this ministry is really like. Yeah, and when, when the, the word speaks of Jesus bearing our sicknesses, carrying our pains, of course, in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, it's talking about literal healing there. But him being described as a, a man of sorrows and acquainted with, 
with grief and pain and sickness, he entered into a realm where he's, even though he healed everyone, it, it's a realm that you enter into where you now get involved in the suffering of others. So a pastor, in the course of his work, will have tragedies within the church and crises to deal with, but it's within that context. But when you begin to pray for the sick, you're suddenly being called on all over to pray for this one, to pray for that one, to pray for that one. And the more people you're praying for, the more you'll see healed, and the more you won't see healed. So, uh, Randy, I, I appreciate you addressing this because many times I think you go to a big meeting, we pray for the sick, someone gets out of a wheelchair, we rejoice, but then you wheel out 10 other people. What are we saying to them, and what encouragement and hope are we giving to them? In fact, we come back uh, in, in your mini-book about agony and ecstasy. You, you talk about, is it worth praying for 199 people to get to that 200 one with the miracle? The new book by Randy Clark, Eyewitness to Miracles. You want to get it today. God of light, hear our cry. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, friends, I'm joined by Dr. Randy Clark, his newest book, Eyewitness to Miracles. And I want to get more into the content of that with you. So pleased to find out that Randy can stay on with us the entire hour. If you have a question about healing today, I'm hoping to ask many that you'd ask, but we'll open the phones, 866-348-7884. Randy, the, the candor, the honesty is so important. Because many times someone who's sick feels, well, am I doing something wrong because someone was healed and I, I wasn't? Or the people praying for the sick, we just hear the testimonies and we don't hear of the, the times when we didn't see an answer. And then conversely, some people don't realize the power of sharing testimonies and they just want to talk about those that aren't healed. So I felt the balance you brought was both pastoral, biblical, uh, well, I said both, so both pastoral and biblical. But you talk about, okay, you pray, you pray, you don't see an answer, but then a baby, doctors think baby almost has no brain and the baby's healed, or a woman towards the, the latter stages of Parkinson's disease is healed. Uh, share about those two miracles. Well, the woman with Parkinson was the first miracle I ever, ever saw. I'm distinguishing mm. a miracle from healing in okay. the sense of it. There was part of the brain that was destroyed. It wasn't in a diseased state that was made uh, better, but it was part of the brain was actually brain cells was destroyed and had to be regenerated. So that uh, that one is one of the first ones I saw. A creative miracle is in Tennessee, and uh, it was at midnight. And she's one who had the faith, not so much me. I I was actually kind of. Uh, put off because at that time I said, I'm not praying for the sick tonight. It's the only night I'm not going to pray for the sick. But she pushed through and because I, I was praying for impartation of young people going to the mission field. And um, and when I prayed for her, the power got hit her and knocked her down. And I asked her husband, you know, is that normal? She wasn't shaking anymore. And uh, he said only when she's asleep. So I went. I started praying for other people, but I went back to her and I asked her husband what was – I didn't know what Parkinson's was at the time – he told me what it was, and I said, wait, she doesn't need a healing. She needs a creative miracle. Mm. Um, Michael, I was on the 23rd day of a 40-day fast. And the reason I was fasting the 40 days at that particular fast was because I had seen over the preceding six months lots of children, all of whom needed miracles that was breaking my heart. 
I was seeing healing, but I wasn't seeing any miracles. And so this 23rd day of the 40-day fast was to have a breakthrough into seeing more miracles. And I don't think fasting gives us brownie points or twists God's arm or anything like that, but it does focus our prayer, you know, in the sense of just focus to cry out for whatever. And I felt like God was leading me into it anyway. So anyway, the long story short is um, right there on the floor, she gets healed, and she gets up and she plays the piano, which she hadn't played in seven years. She's just a seventh year of Parkinson's. She's in the last stage of losing control of her bladder or bowels, not able to walk without leaning on her husband. And he was crying as she's playing. He touched me. And and because <sighs> she hadn't touched the piano since the night it first hit her and manifested, and she just couldn't think of a note or a chord seven years earlier. Wow. And it was just an amazing uh, a breakthrough. And the guy who basically came to my church uh, 10 years earlier, Michael, was from the vineyard. I was a Baptist pastor. And this woman, by the way, is a Baptist woman. There's um, um, a Baptist church having a meeting anyway. But this guy came to me, and, and the last thing he said to my church was, don't go out and pray for 10 people, 20 people, and say this doesn't work. I challenge you to pray for 200 people. If you'll pray for 200 people, you'll see enough people get healed. You'll be hooked. Mm. But you could go out of here and you could pray for 20 and not see anybody get healed as you're starting. You've got to be willing to persevere. And I thought that was just such very important uh, um, advice. Yeah, so it is that persevering through the disappointment, through the pain, through the mm-hmm. question, am I believing correctly? Am I making a mockery, mockery of the gospel? Am I giving people false hope? All those questions, and yet you continue to pray, and you describe a healing with with a, a little baby. Basically, you know, doctor said virtually didn't have a brain. Also received a miracle. So the question is, is it worth praying for those 199 to get to that 200th? Uh, obviously, obviously it is. So for those that aren't familiar with you, obviously they're hearing you and they're sounding, wow, he's a healing evangelist, but he doesn't sound like one of these. TV preachers, he, he sounds a little different. Uh, what about your your doctoral thesis for your Doctor of Ministry degree? What did you write your thesis on? I wrote it on a uh, case of Christian prayer, the effects of Christian prayer upon chronic pain and loss of motion from surgically implanted material. That mm. was the thesis title. And I, it was conducted. So you're talking about people with metal implants and things like this. So the type of stuff that's easily documented. Yeah, something that would not, something that could not be, uh, as far as the range of motion area, uh, attributed to a placebo effect because there's no evidence of placebo effect in range of motion. Now there is evidence of placebo effect in pain, and one of the two things we were looking at was a reduction of pain and increase of range of motion by at least 80%. Um, and I, that's important because I actually, on my thesis, I had uh, advisors, professional advisors, one of whom was a, a, had been a professor at Harvard Medical School for 23 years. Another was a psychiatrist that, that taught at, uh, um, at Vanderbilt. Um, and of course, we had theologians and biblical scholars. And every area of my thesis that I was uh, using something from the theology or the Catholic Church or uh, Old Testament or New Testament or medical, I had a professional advisor and from a specialist with a Ph.D. in each of those areas. So it was, 
interesting to, to, to note that in my studies that I found out that if you have a failed back surgery, for example, and metal put in, if you have a second surgery and get better by 10%, that's pretty good. 20% mm-hmm. is great. And there's no evidence of any other CAM or contemporary and alternative uh, medical procedures of like uh, um, having any effect. And so I compared it to uh, these other all energy healing modalities. I compared it, what would it, could it have been for uh, uh, placebo effect, and which is what uh, Dr. Brown had done in her book, Testing Prayer. Candy Brown. Yeah. The whole Dr. Candy Brown uh, had done, Candace Brown. And basically, even though it was a study on Mozambique, that one, the STEP study, um, and also in, in Brazil, what's not, I mean, it's in it, but there's 325 references to our ministry or myself because every, almost everything in that book was conducted at one of my meetings because I was mm. one of the few healing evangelists that believed that we need to verify healing and work with a medical field to try to bring um, um, a medical perspective. Uh, to this, because it's important for people to believe they, we, we need to invest in that. So I, I said, yes, I'll work with you. So anyway, to me, what I found out was about is like 37, a little almost 38% of the people who were present in the meetings on five continents, multiple countries, out of over 795 people, um, about half of the people in the study had successful surgeries that they didn't have chronic pain and didn't have uh, loss of range of motion. Uh, the other half did. Of the half that did, uh, 37, almost 38% of the people who were prayed for in the meeting, just from the platform, not I actually didn't lay hands on them, just prayed for them from the platform, 37% received an 80% or better healing. Mm. And we did, that was the quantitative side and then on the qualitative side, we called, randomly picked out about 15, 20 people to call and did uh, longer interviews with them and found out what, you know, how long they'd had it, what they couldn't do, what they could do, you know, did they come with faith. And I tried to find out, I looked at six variables to find out if these things contributed to higher probability of uh, healing. Two of my variables was what's called a, a, a construct failure. My study itself could not prove what I wanted to in these two areas. Number one was, did it make a difference whether you used a petitionary prayer or a commanding prayer? Mm-hmm. The reason why I couldn't prove that was every prayer was commanding prayer. Okay. There weren't any petitionary prayers. Second thing that I couldn't prove was dealing with uh, faith, because the questionnaire asked, did you come with an expectant faith for healing? Uh, and, you know, yes and no. And the problem was some of the people did not come with faith. They weren't even expecting to be healed. And they came because of another reason or brought somebody that needed to be healed. And they were shocked when they were healed. Uh, another reason why I couldn't prove either of these two was some people were healed watching a video before we even prayed, and so the statistics was thrown off <laughs> because people were getting healed before we prayed, and people were getting healed who didn't have faith, who, uh, but, but they had faith once they got there because they saw something happening. They didn't come with faith, so they didn't know how to answer it. 
And I, I just gotta just gotta jump in, and we'll we'll continue this on the other side of the sure. break. But thirty seconds. Is there any documentation of someone with a with a steel implant that it disappeared after prayer? Not documentation that I could prove by getting the the X ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, documentation that they could move, and you could see it actually it just happened recently in December. Where when they'd move their wrist, you'd see like a half an inch go up where the screw would push up. Right, right. After prayer, it just it wasn't there. He could move his wrist, and it never did that again. Yeah, and I, I watched I watched a video where you're inter- interviewing a young lady, and I guess she had someone close to her with her, and they were both they were shocked. They're absolutely flipping out because she had this thing, this monstrosity kind of in her in her arm that was necessary because of reconstructive surgery as best doctors could do. And they think she's moving and there's no evidence of anything being there. But the fact is she was moving. She couldn't move. She's pain free. But this is documented, friends. Get the book, Eyewitness to Miracles. You're skeptic. You want to find out more. This book is for you. Trust me. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I am talking today with Dr. Randy Clark, a healing evangelist, author of Eyewitness to Miracles. Friends, if you want a book that will bring you edifying God-glorifying, amazing, Jesus-exalting testimonies, this book is for you. If you're looking for a book with practical discussion about divine healing today, a book that answers the question, what about medical documentation, then by all means, this book is for you. Uh, I got sent an advanced reader's copy of the book, Randy Clark, Eyewitness to Miracles. I got sent this book, so it's, it's the full book. But I'm actually getting the ebook. I was waiting for this to come out in e-form because he provides links. If you want to see the testimony or this healing that took place and the documentation, go to these links. So rather than typing in these long things, I'm, I'm getting the ebook so I can just click on the link and go straight there and, and watch and be blessed to the glory of God. If you have a question specifically about healing today, 866-348-7884, Randy, we were together in Toronto a few days ago, and you mentioned this in your book as well, but you told me more details. The impact of the healing ministry in your life had a direct impact on a professor at the seminary where you earned your doctor of ministry so that he had to kind of change his trajectory. Uh, could you tell us about that? Randy, are you there? Yes, can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so could you tell me what happened to that uh, professor at your yeah. seminary? Yeah, he was the most uh, liberal, not believing in miracles, of all the professors, uh, particularly in the theology department, and he was the head theologian. Um, within just a few months of us starting our doctoral program there, I had uh, 20-some-odd people who were with me in it, and what became later the Randy Clark Scholars. Um be just listening to our stories, we weren't trying to, we, we, we didn't send out to change anybody's theology. But anyway, uh, he switched and became our biggest cheerleader. 
and he was offered recently the opportunity to become the leader of one of the most liberal theological movements in the world, Process Theology. He said, I had to turn it down because you and Roland Baker changed my theology. And he, he just really now just uh, believes in the supernatural. And uh, it was amazing. The whole seminary, actually, Michael, they said, the, the academic dean said, Randy, you and the guys that came with you and the gals, you changed the seminary. We want to be noted now, not as the, a very liberal Methodist seminary. We want to be noted as the seminary that wants renewal and revival. And so, so the impact, just like Augustine, when he was writing City of God, had to change his theology, which mm-hmm. was obviously faulty on a scripture level, but he had denied apostolic miracles were still taking place. They documented 70 miracles in a two-year period, and he said, I had to change my theology. And, Randy, I found that many people that don't believe in the gifts and power of the Spirit for today don't believe it uh, because of Scripture as much as because of bad experience. They had prophecies spoken over them that didn't come to pass. They had some flaky experience in charismatic circles. They expected someone to be healed, and the person wasn't healed. And then I've seen some become convinced scripturally and then say, okay, I see what the Scripture says. It's clear. I've got to believe for this again. And others are convinced because Scripture was never really the issue for them. Others are convinced when they experience God's goodness and power. What about Dr. Candy Brown and her article in the Southern Medical Journal based on what she found in Mozambique? Can you tell us about that? Again, all in the book, Eyewitness to Miracles. You know, um, I, I remember I did a, a uh, symposium at Yale University across the street from Yale University. If we had done it on the university, they would have kept the videos. I wanted the videos. So we did it across at the chapel. Had some professors from Vanderbilt, from uh, uh, Yale, and from Harvard. And uh, that's where I really saw uh, Candy, really. She and her husband were speakers there. I'd done something else at St. Louis University, a Catholic university, a medical seminar put on Protestant and Catholic and medical healing. And so we became friends. And at that one in, at Yale, on the way back, Harold Keening, Dr. Keening from Duke University, one of the major uh, persons believing in the power for healing, uh, told me, said, if you're going to do a study on the field, you need something you can do that people can't say it's placebo effect and easily documented cheaply. You don't need a lot of equipment. And he said, for example, uh, eye charts, and these little uh, these machines you can buy for about $500, several of them a piece, uh, to, for e- hearing. And so uh, he shared that with me. I shared it with some others. And, and then Templeton Fund gave a grant to Candy and her husband and a doctor and a sociologist and several people. And they went with me on my trip to Mozambique where we'd meet with Heidi, and I got permission from Heidi that they could do these studies with charts. So they'd pray. And they'd check them before they prayed, their, their level of hearing and the eyesight. And then they'd pray, you know, we would pray, and then they'd check them again. And when I say they, I don't necessarily mean Candy and, my, and, and Joshua, her husband, though he does pray and sees a lot of people healed now and he's because uh, he got healed himself of brain tumors. But, uh, mm. but they did the testing, both in Brazil and in Mozambique. And so they were able to... Uh, prove beyond this is much higher than placebo effect. This is much higher than uh, a hypnotic effect. And in in science, you can't prove something technically. You can disprove something. And so they disproved the theories that this was just placebo or or um, uh, the power of mind over matter, like their um, uh, hypnosis. 
and they and they said the people who are praying they believe it's because of the power of God, which is true, and 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 of course I believe they believe it too, because like I said, her husband now is really uh, has quite a healing ministry mm-hmm. himself. So so in other words, you can't prove that it was God answering prayer. What you can prove is that something happened that cannot be explained by placebo effects. So in other words, someone is in a meeting shouting, I'm healed, I'm healed, and suddenly you, you, it could be mind over matter or psychosomatic or something happens. You think, I'm healed because the pain left, and really you're not healed at all. It was just the emotion, the adrenaline, some effect of the moment. So you disprove that because that, that cannot produce these kinds of results. And for anyone right. with open eyes that see, it's like, okay, if this was consistent with 10 or 20 or 100 people prayed for, and you had this many results of people who could see better or could see who couldn't see at all, or could hear better or could hear who couldn't hear at all, then we know where the answer was. But scientifically, you've demonstrated that something happened. What, what, what kind of results did the, did the study document? What, what did you actually see happen? Well, there were, I mean, quite a few people with eyes, uh, partial blindness to blindness to complete deafness to nearly complete deaf with major turnarounds uh, based upon, and, and, and of course she wrote it up in her book, Testing Prayer. Um, and, and then, of course, there was also the journal article, the, the medical journal article in Southern uh, uh, Southern Medical Journal. journal. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So th- there were there. But now the other thing that I wanted to say that, that we did in my study was that we followed up to the people. Um, we did an interview. And just for those just healed. tuning in, so Randy did his his dissertation for his Doctor of Ministry degree at, at a seminary on uh, re- uh, reduction in pain and change in range of motion at least 80% uh, for those who had a medical uh, metal implants, surgical implants of different kind. So someone with a, a back surgery and had a metal implant or someone with reconstructed wrist, and that's right. what they did the study on. And in each case, you had people with PhDs in each field, medical, whatever, overseeing this. So back to you. Yeah. And... Well, and they actually said, you know, you could have done this. You could have submitted this for a PhD in, in the field of medicine because it's, a, it's actually a crossover. It dealt with theology and biblical studies, but it also dealt with uh, uh, research into uh, medical uh, effects of prayer and, and uh, upon these conditions. Uh, but one of the things we did was we did an interview immediately. We did an interview 10 days later to see if they still had the same degree of healing, and we did an interview a hundred days later mm. with uh, I forgot the, the qualitative study because we couldn't it's impossible to get a hold of everybody, but we randomly selected like twenty people and did an interview like a hundred days later. Now we did that because a friend of mine who made millions of dollars in developing uh, uh, nutraceuticals in Europe, which are much more controlled than here in the states, much more like pharmaceuticals, they had to to uh, make sure that testing the person one hundred days later because placebo effect usually doesn't doesn't last but a few hours to a few days. So that was one of the reasons we had that in there, to rule out placebo effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, amazing. So again, friends, what what Randy Clark has done is not just build the faith of those who expect healing and believe in healing, but help those who have questions, who struggle, who are skeptical, who can't line up what they see in Scripture with what they see happening and experience. Randy, we've got two minutes before this next break. 
what would you say is, is the most common question or objection that comes up as you teach people about praying for the sick? Well, I think there are two theological. One is from the cessation, just doesn't believe these happens in, these things happens anymore, because if they did, there could be an open canon, which I totally disagree with that. They don't believe in healing or miracles, signs, uh, prophecy, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues. That's one. It's one of the reasons why it can't happen. Another is the liberal view that I just don't believe miracles can take place, period, in the world as we know it. It would upset the, the laws of nature or whatever. But I think, Michael, apart from those, the biggest issue as a practitioner is not those. The biggest issue is why aren't more people being healed, mm -hmm. and why do so many not get healed? Mm -hmm. And that is the bigger issue. Now, having said that, I can say I see a lot more people now getting healed than I used to, but I still have lots of people who don't get healed. And part of it is, part of it is just the, uh, a level of expectancy, a level of faith, but more important to that, or that contributes to it, a coming to an understanding of how to see what God's doing in a service, to see where he is moving and what he wants to do. So I found out it's much easier to bless what he's doing than to try to get him to bless what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So you recognize the Holy Spirit moving a certain way. You go with that. Jesus said he could only do what he saw the Father doing. How much more are we right. dependent? All right, I've, I've got... A few more questions for Randy. We've got one more segment. I appreciate him spending a whole hour with us. If you missed any of this interview, it will be on our YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown, shortly after the interview is finished. Encourage your friends to watch, especially those who are sick, those of you that used to pray for the sick regularly and maybe withdrew. Watch the interview on YouTube. And then, by all means, get the book, Eyewitness Miracles, by Randy Clark. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Speaking with Dr. Randy Clark, his new book, Eyewitness to Miracles. Randy, some would say, well, if you pray for the sick, some are healed, some are not. This one's healed of cancer. This one dies from cancer. Shouldn't we then conclude that it was God's will to heal the one and not God's will to heal the other? And just when we pray, say, Lord, if it be thy will, why don't you follow that approach? First of all, I want to be more biblical. There's mm -hmm. not one passage in the Bible where the Jesus or Paul or Peter or Stephen or Philip or anyone who actually has seen uh, recorded praying a prayer or healing people, that that, that that occurred. That's just not part of it. Every prayer is not only that they don't say, Thy will be done, but every prayer that's recorded pertaining to healing is a commanding prayer where they're commanding the body to do what's needed and rather than a petitionary prayer. Uh, that's one. Uh, second, it puts the blame on God for the fact of what we don't see. And when the church does not believe, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophetic position. Mm. They just don't believe healings for the day. They don't see near the healings. 
I went through 14 years of life as a minister and could put on one hand the number of people I saw healed. Then in three days, I saw 10 times that number get healed in my own church when a team came in to teach us on, on healing. And then from that point on, we began to see a significant increase. But then I came into more understanding and had more experience. And then there was another breakthrough, and we saw, like, you know, almost uh, threefold increase. And then we begin to see a breakthrough in miracles, particularly with metal and things. So we see a lot more than we used to. Does that mean that God got in a better mood? Mm-hmm. Or was the problem yeah. on our end, our understanding, my understanding, rather than God's end? Now, is there a degree to which sovereignty is involved? Yes, I'll be the first to admit it. But I don't want that to be the excuse for mm-hmm. our lack of understanding or lack of faith or expectation. Uh, and I know there's more than faith that's involved. I have actually the whole the sermon on Thrill of Victory deals with that. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, rather than that passage, I like to go to the commissioning passage in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Every one of them has a commissioning passage in which Jesus commissions the 12, and in Luke also the 70, in which he makes it a priority to preach the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. And I remember, Michael, was one thing for those who are really committed to the Bible. I remember reading that one time, and I'm going to be teaching on healing, and I don't want to talk about it. I'm actually, the Lord says, you don't like that verse, do you? I said, no, I don't, Lord, because it's an embarrassment. We're trying to get the sick healed. And, Michael, this is when I only knew of three people who was healed, raised from the dead. Now we know of hundreds, but at that time I only knew of three. Knew of three. And I said, yes, Lord, this is embarrassing. You're telling us to raise the dead. We're trying to get the sick healed. And all of a sudden I had this strong impression and it was this, don't you dare become an experience-based preacher, mm. and you will only preach what you have experienced. Because you have not experienced somebody being raised from the dead doesn't give you the license to lower my word to the level of your experience. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare lower my word based on your experience. You preach my word. Let your experience rise to my word, but don't bring my word down to your experience. Don't be an experience-based preacher. And if we do that, then the will of God is constantly changing, and the Word of God is constantly changing. A lot of my cessationist friends say, you know, you charismatics, you base things on experience. I said, no, actually, we base them on the Word, which is why we pray for the sick, even if we don't see healing, and still Correct. believe God, God heals. You, when you don't see it, you say it's not happening. I said, I, I think you're basing it on experience. But, yeah, we've got to go back to the Word. What does God say? We have to look at the nature of God. We all know people who are saintly, who are sick. We all know people who can talk about how they grew in God at a time of sickness, but that's because God is a redeemer. The sickness disease itself is is not a gift from above. So, Randy, what would you say, and you could speak directly to those right now that have been prayed for, that still aren't healed, that wonder, does God love them? Do they have to work up their faith more? You know, they're in a wheelchair. They're, they're laying in pain in, in bed. They, they, they prayed for their child with leukemia many a time, and the child's getting sicker. What would you say to those people? I would encourage them to um, have an, to read, to listen to what God is pe- doing, people who have been healed of that, to try to sustain their strength and, and, and faith, to have more faith, uh, and not to blame themselves or the person. Or two things we tell people don't ever do. Don't blame somebody that doesn't get healed because they don't have enough faith. That doesn't help their faith. Uh, just makes them feel guilty. And 
The second thing is don't tell them it's your fault. You must have some secret sin in your life. Because if, if, if it is that, God can reveal what it is specifically. He doesn't just give a general condemnation whether they're just sinful. Uh, so those two things, I totally agree we shouldn't go to that as, as the uh, re- blaming people for those. But just loving them, I tell people, I know you can't heal, only God can heal. But I want you, when you walk away, that person feels that they were valuable and loved by the way you ministered to them, the way you treated them. Mm. And even in the midst of being sick, we continue to praise and worship God nonetheless and serve him nonetheless and demonstrate our faith in in doing that and seeking to be more like Jesus in the midst of things. And, And Randy, right at the outset of the broadcast, you mentioned the miracle of the police officer who had been shot through the stomach, his spine severed, 25 years old in a wheelchair, and the man praying for him. It was the first miracle he'd ever seen. So what's so remarkable, I just want to come back to that as we encourage folks. And and I've shared the story repeatedly. It's one of the most amazing stories. I shared it with family last night, in fact. So the the guy that's praying, we've got about three minutes. Maybe you could just give the background to this healing because it makes it all remarkable, especially when he's so tired as he's praying. Right. He'd missed his flight. He's been up for 48 straight hours. He's never prayed for anybody in his life, not only and he, and he had been an alcoholic, right? Every year he wanted to go on the trip, he kept he'd get drunk, and then he right. felt condemned. He went through, so he finally, he yeah, yeah, and got drunk, and so he wouldn't come. This time he maintained sobriety, for, and so he came, but he's never had a healing. He's never prayed for healing, so he prays, God, you know, I've never prayed for anybody in my life. I came down here to learn how to pray for the sick, so bring me an easy one, a headache or a bellyache, nothing hard. And a guy comes up to him in a wheelchair, and he sees him coming. He says, oh, God, no, not that, not that, an easy one, headache, bellyache. He said, I wouldn't even look at him. Uh-huh. And the guy still rode up to him, pulled on his pant leg. And, he's, he, you know, I, we give instructions on how to pray and, you know, find out what's wrong so he can pray specifically. And he had done the interview. He prayed specifically, commanding the, the spine to grow back together, and stops. And then the third step is to re-interview, see what's going on. Like Jesus prayed to the blind man, stops him. What do you see? I see men like trees. Walking through what he do, he didn't say just you know believe what I prayed. He prayed again, so he this guy prays again. But he told me he said, Randy, I had a little bit of faith the first time. I had no faith. <laughs> Next time, I just remembered you said you expect people, you don't expect them to heal, you expect them to love the person. And I felt like if I stop now, this young man will not feel valued or loved because I only prayed like three minutes. So I'm only praying now so that he'll feel loved. And as he's praying, and about to fall asleep, right before he starts to snore, <laughs> his head's laying on his shoulder, the guy jumps out of the wheelchair. <laughs> what an amazing story of God's grace and love. And, and even though, yes, our faith, our participation is important, it's, it's God graciously working through us. You know, Randy, as, as you were talking, I got this picture of folks at a rescue mission. There's been an earthquake, right? And there are people buried under the rubble. So the workers, they work day and night, and they may pull out 10 corpses, but there's always the hope that somebody's breathing in there. And if they get out the one person breathing, that it's a great victory. And two days later, they pull out a child. It's a great victory in the midst of the pain. So, friends, people are sick and dying anyway. They're not going to get sicker, and they're not going to die quicker if you pray for them. But if you begin to study the word and see that healing is for today, and then you realize it's just regular people that God uses, no superstars, and you begin to pray for the sick, get educated, understand, begin to pray for the sick, you will see 
people healed. So, Randy, you've you've not just been a, a pioneer in healing evangelism. There are others that do this, but a pioneer in teaching and training and equipping others and then bringing in medical documentation on the level you have. So we're all indebted to you, and, and I'm sure there are many people who are healed today who are grateful to God for your efforts. I'm grateful for getting to see what I've got to see because I know that I, I never thought I'd get to see as much as I do. I'm thankful for that. I'm of I somebody said, How do you stay humble? I say, Because I pray for the sick. <laughs> Meaning I have lots of defeat in my life and you pray for several people, they don't get healed, you saw what you can do. Pray for the next one, there's a miracle, you saw what God can do. That keeps you humble. Yeah, it, it does. I but was talking know, to I, the, it, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We've got one minute. Go ahead. One minute. Medical doctors who use chemo and all that stuff, I'm for I'm for medicine, I'm for doctors, not against it at all. But, you know, I know a lot of people who've done, uh, who went through all the medical treatment who had cancer, and they still die. I'm so grateful the medical doctors stopped yes. prescribing yes. treatment and say, I'm going, to leave the, I'm going to leave the medical field because I'm, I'm ministering. I'm, I'm, I'm medicating. I'm telling them what to do. I'm treating people, and not all of them are getting healed. Matter of fact, there's quite a few of them that are dying, but they don't for the ones who get, do respond well. They yeah. continue. Same way with praying for the sick. Yeah. Amen. That's 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 a great example as well. And, you know, Randy, I was praying the other day, and I said, Lord, we've seen what Mike Brown can do. We need to see what Jesus can do through Mike Brown. This is what it's about. It's Jesus through Randy Clark. It's Jesus through you. It's Jesus through me. It's to the glory of the Father, and it brings such relief and openness to the gospel as well. The new book... Randy Clark, Eyewitness to Miracles. Hey, thanks for taking a solid hour with us today. Much appreciation. Friends, tomorrow, we'll miss the broadcast. We're going to open up a very important scriptural and practical.